Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgiddance, Porter takes a lantern and visits his friend Dolly Hampton after sundown. Together, they reflect on the story of the Never Seen and all its unanswered questions. Dolly tells Porter that her grandfather told a story that differed from all others. She promises to go with him to visit the widow Warren and be his voice. Then, on horseback, Porter prepares to ride home alone in the darkness. Porter willed Banjo to move faster, but the aging horse lugged his weight up the steep hill toward home. More than halfway up the hill, he could see the lanterns twinkling from the Hollis cabin porch but a large swath of forest still stood between him and Banjo, and home. The waning moon shone down like a watchful eye, squinting to peer through bare autumn branches. It floated midway in the sky, around nine o'clock. He wouldn't be home until half-past or so. His gaze drifted toward the shadow-shrouded forest searching for signs of the glowing specters that ventured down from the West Mountain at nightfall. But none had made it this far, not yet. Darkness had only just landed. Jitters filled his belly, and Banjo's ears twitched and twisted as though he heard Porter's stomach flip. It's all right, boy, Porter whispered. He tilted his head until the wide brim of his hat obscured his view of the woods. He had never been out alone at dark. For most of his life, he'd had no reason to and didn't dare. But lately, curiosity had seeded and sprouted, and he found himself wondering what he might find out here in the dark, with no witnesses but the dappled gray beast carrying him up the north mountain. His eyes drifted to his lantern. If he crossed into their territory, what would he see? What might he learn? If the answer hid among the never seen, would prying it out be worth the risk? A screech burst from deep in the forest to his left. Banjo jolted and danced in the red dirt road. Easy, boy, easy. Just a red fox. The screams continued in rhythmic eruption. Banjo's eyes grew wide, whites glowing under lamplight. He danced away from the sound, edging off the road. 
Porter gave the reins a gentle tug, but the beast only snorted and jerked his head, yanking the reins free from Porter's grasp. Come on! Porter tried to keep his voice calm, floundering to grab the reins with his free hand while holding his lantern aloft. Puffs of hot breath twisted from Banjo's flared nostrils. He skirted toward a tree trunk, kicking it with his hind leg. A cloud of bats flew out, emitting piercing shrieks. Stay calm. Banjo neighed and reared, throwing Porter from his back. Porter yelled and fell and thudded onto his back, breath catapulting from his lungs, lantern landing beside him and going out. Pain crested over his entire body. He struggled to breathe. Blood rushed to his head, fuzzing and drowning out his hearing. When it finally drained away, the first sound he heard was Banjo's galloping hoofbeats far, far, far in the distance. Porter caught his breath and gasped until his heart beat painfully inside his chest, vision clouding for a moment and then clearing once more, until he saw the spindly black branches reaching against the mold-black sky, the squinting eye of the moon still watching, warning. He scrambled up and crawled over to his lantern, blustering with relief to find it was simply dark, but not broken. Shoving a shaking hand into his coat pocket, he removed the round metal tin, the flint kit. He fought to keep his hand steady, striking the flint against the steel and igniting the char cloth. Carefully bringing the cloth to the wick, he relit his lantern. He crawled, body aching from his fall, to a rotting log at the edge of the forest and sat on it. Safe under lantern light, he steadied his breathing and peered into the forest, searching for any sound or sign of Banjo. In the stillness, without his journey to distract him, jitters filled his belly. He pulled his coat tighter. The evening air still sent goosebumps up his arms. He was here, stranded alone with nothing but one lantern and a thousand questions. Did he dare breach the nighttime territory of the never seen, beseech the haints of the holler, and see what answers or clues he might find. Pa and Nula would be long asleep, and Kali... He imagined her waiting by the door, arms crossed tight, small eyes narrowed into slits, demanding what he'd been up to. He sighed. Kali would fuss at him no matter what. But what if he came home with something to show for it? When would he have another chance to peer into the darkness and see what truly lurked? He stood, legs stiff as twigs, lifted his lantern, crossed the red dirt road, and walked into the forest. The foggy night air carried scents of juniper and old wood. Autumn leaves, soft and wet, blanketed the ground like smooth flannel, so his footsteps made only the slightest sound. Holding his light high, he looked up at towering, spindly pines and frothy firs, crooked beech and hickory trees. The flock of bats that had spooked Banjo hung upside down ahead of him, with tiny eyes glowing, chirping at him as if to warn him away. An owl gurgled and hooted. Porter's heart thudded. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea, he thought. He turned back toward the road, considering, but couldn't make himself move. Just a little longer. If he didn't try to see now, he'd always wonder. Was this ground the site of old power and magic and a curse that held fast for ages? 
Did any living soul in Inniscombe really know? He took a step, nearly stumbling when his boot caught on something hard, a short, jagged, standing stone, a primitive grave marker encrusted with moss, far, far removed from their little white kirk. Why? Kneeling, Porter dug underneath the thick moss, pried it from the stone. He dusted away dirt and tendrils of root, holding his lantern close until he could barely, just barely, make out the eroded carving of a shepherd's staff. Questions flooded to mind, quickly dammed up by a flash in his peripheral vision. Was that a light? He thought. It had flickered behind a thin tree, smaller and faster than a wick snuffed out. Porter caught his breath, gripped his lantern, blinked, just to make sure. Another light, small as a firefly, floated out. It was far too cold for fireflies. The tiny light bounced and blew like the tuft of a dandelion seed, edging closer. Then, it grew. Porter's own light trembled in his hand. His throat clenched and grasped for words to yell at the never seen as if it would blow far away again. But the sounds choked in his throat. It ballooned to the size of a pumpkin, meandering closer. Panic filled his chest. What if the lanterns were a lie? Had anyone tested it? He was terrified to realize he couldn't recall a single story of any nighttime encounter. Still, the never-seen approached, and Porter stepped backward, refusing to look away from the spirit. What do you want from me? He thought. From my mother. He projected his thought as loud as he could. The never-seen hissed, but gave no answer. Porter moved backward faster, keeping his eyes on the never-seen. Go! Stop following me! Stop cursing my family! Far beyond the first never-seen came a cloud of more, floating from behind trees and leaves advancing. Porter spun and ran, leaping over fallen logs and more ancient grave markers, dodging privet and underbrush, praying his speed wouldn't snuff out his light. He dared not look behind him. Finally, his feet skidded onto the dirt of the road. His legs pumped as he ran up the road, heart slamming in his chest, lungs burning with every inhalation of autumn night air. Even over his heavy breaths and pounding steps, he could hear the spirit's insistent hiss. But he fixed his focus on the cabin. It bounced in his vision and he charged ahead, getting closer, finally breaking through the last reaches of the North Mountain woods, finally catching sight of the distant silhouette of Banjo, grazing in the grass near the barn as if nothing had happened. Porter closed the distance between himself and the old horse, grabbed him by the reins, and ran with him into the barn. When he finished stabling Banjo for the night and ascended the porch steps, the cabin was dark and quiet. He pushed the door open as slowly and quietly as possible. Breath still heaving and uneven from his flight out of the woods, Porter crept in the shadows, shielding the glow of his lantern as he passed Aunt Nula's bed and carefully climbed the ladder to the loft he shared with Colleen. The wide-angled space seemed so big when he'd first joined her as a young child, but now that they were both teenagers, it didn't seem so gaping. On each of the room's long sides stood a rope bed with a hay-stuffed mattress, a hope chest made by Pa for clothes and special objects, 
a wool blanket, his first hunting knife, and the thick leather rucksack and water bag Pa had given him for wintertide eve a few years ago, and also a few woven baskets for hygiene items and other belongings. Porter clambered to his side, the left side, set his oil lamp down on the wooden chest and stripped down to his cotton skivvies, pausing when he caught sight of himself in the loft's only looking-glass. His eyes looked the same, dark as hickory husks and almond-shaped, deep-set under thick brows. The sheen he saw still belonged to him. No strange spirit mark of never-seen peered back. He ruffled small bits of pine straw and tree bark from his wavy brown hair and wiped specks of dirt from pronounced cheekbones and upturned nose. Thin lips twisted with disappointment. All that fuss, he thought, and nothing to show for it but a head full of... So great Aunt Nula knows you'll see Widow Warren. Porter jolted at his sister's whisper. Why are you still up? She propped up on one elbow, the flailing shadows of his lantern highlighting the creases in her brow. You went to see Dolly tonight. Took too long coming home. Think I'd go to bed without finding out why? She kept her voice low. Aunt Nula might be old, but her hearing was sharp to compensate for her weakened vision, and she often eavesdropped on their conversations from her bed below the loft. Porter groaned. His sister couldn't let anything go. Snatching a black gum twig from a basket on top of his wooden chest, he clamped it between his back teeth. If he had to talk, he might as well be able to clean his teeth, too. Nothing ha happened. Said she'd help me, is all. Colleen squinted as though assessing his truthfulness. I told you not to let great-aunt Nula know you're sniffing around about Mama's crying sickness. She sat up and crossed her arms. Heavens, Porter, some secrets are worth keeping. I didn't. Pa did. Aunt Nula doesn't want us digging up what's done and gone. Colleen huffed. She'll see to it that you don't. If it gets in the way of chores. No. She tore her copper hair free from its braid and shook her head until the locks fell thick and wild like a donkey's tail. Stubborn hair for a stubborn girl. She stared at him, insistent. I can just tell. Porter bawled his fists. Collie, that makes no sense. I'm telling you, Porter, you can say goodbye to the precious answers you seek. Aunt Nula, stop it, he said a little too loudly. He swallowed and lowered his voice. You just yammer with n no... He fought against the tension in his throat and tongue, biting his twig until his jaw stung. No thought about who you could hurt, especially if it's me. J just His muscles failed. Anger swelled in his chest, as much at his own inability to hurl words as at his older sister. Just stop, Colleen finished for him, a sardonic smile on her lips. His shoulders slumped. He tossed the twig back into the basket and huffed a breath to extinguish his oil lamp. Flopping backward on his bed, he jerked the old quilt up to his ears and turned his back to his older sister. He heard Colleen scoff and stammer, but finally he heard her collapse onto the bed. I only got riled because I want you to find answers, she whispered. You know that, don't you? I don't know that, he thought.
He pretended to be asleep. He could never tell what Colleen wanted, what Colleen thought. Was she cheering for him or out to sabotage him? Did she love him or wish he'd never been born? The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. Ooh.